Welcome to AM Best Audio. Pavlos Spiropoulos, the Regional Managing Director, Asia Pacific for uh, Tokyo Marine. Uh, Pavlos, appreciate you taking the time to uh, have a bit of a chat with us and share some of your views and uh, what's sort of happening in the marketplace and I suppose a little bit about uh, what's happening with Tokyo uh, Marine in this uh, part of the world. To, to sort of get it started, could, could you give us a little bit of insight to what is Tokyo Marine's involvement in the Asia Pacific region and if you like their focus areas and strategy going forward? Sure. So Tokyo Marine is obviously a, a very big group and the part I work for, the part I represent is Tokyo Marine Kiln, which is the Lloyd's specialty um, player of the Tokyo Marine group. And out here in Asia Pacific, we're based in Singapore and we write business from all across the region, um, all the way from Pacific up to all the countries in Asia. And we're very much focused in specialty business, so property, uh, aviation, political risk, political violence, trade credit, cyber, accident health and marine cargo. And that's a pretty broad portfolio. So how does that affect your balance sheet in terms of your capital requirements and managing, if you like, your local regulatory environments within the region, noting that every regulatory environment is difficult with their capital requirements, etc. How does that impact on how you develop your strategy, understanding your capital requirements? Sure. So the great thing about us is we're part of a, a Lloyd syndicate. So we write on the same capital uh, here in Singapore as our colleagues in London do. And from a, from a syndicate perspective, having this operation in Asia Pacific is fantastic from a diversification point of view. Uh, because Kiln is one of the biggest syndicates uh, in the Lloyd's market. And we've got a lot of North American business uh, in the property space, for example. So having the business out here provides diversification uh, for, the, for the Tokyo Marine Kiln syndicate, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but being part of the Lloyd's um, market as well is very capital efficient as well. So, so I'd, I'd say um, uh, well, yeah, one, one of the real benefits of trading here through Lloyd's Asia is we don't have to have capital in each and every individual country in which we're trading uh, from the region, but instead we use the Lloyd's license network, access the business and, um, and do so very capital, in a very capital efficient fashion here from Singapore. And uh, my understanding is that the regulatory environments around here like the understanding of uh, the capital support and the central fund that you actually have with the Lloyds and the, the underlying managing syndicates. Um, so from a portfolio area, you gave us a, a, a broad range of your involvement. Is that you're expanding as the, the maturity and the education of the market changes? Or is there a particular strategy and focus areas where you see an opportunity where Tokyo Marine, if you like, has those specialist skills? Um, it's a bit of both, actually. So um, I'll give you an example. Property, which is a more traditional uh, line of business, we're reacting to market conditions very effectively right now. So as the treaty market hardened um, and it became more difficult for students in the region to, to get um, as broad treaty coverage as they did in the past, there's more opportunity in the faculty market where we can step in and support uh, clients there. So Australia has been a very good example where we've really grown our Australian property book uh, in recent years. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is the growth we're seeing in the economy and the increased appetite for specialist lines of business such as cyber for example so we started writing cyber from Asia in August by hiring an underwriter on the ground here in Singapore and the reason we did that is we're seeing the uptick in appetite from big corporates uh, to buy cyber coverage um, as they recognize the need for that insurance um, as they become more sophisticated and as obviously that risk grows in the region. It's, uh, you raise a very interesting uh, portfolio class here with cyber 
Um, are you finding there's an education and maturity of the marketplace that they're understanding what they're actually acquiring uh, and the policy wording that is attached to uh, uh, such coverage? It, it, it seems to me that it's, uh, it's early days, uh, but it's actually it's good to see that there's a maturity and understanding that we need to grow, the, the market needs to grow to understand and to protect the assets of, uh, and that's, that's your business model. Yes. You're entirely right. I think um, what we see in the in the marketplace is there's a long gestation period between a broker educating a client on the value of a cyber policy and, and the client actually buying it. But what we're seeing is clients are now beginning to, to buy these policies. Uh, they're recognizing the need. I think Asia suffers the most uh, cyber attacks in the world. Um, so, so I think if you ask most boards, they're aware of the risk. Um, but I think it takes time for them to get comfortable understanding the role insurance can play in supporting them uh, with that. And I think the other thing to, to remember, we saw very uh, explosive growth in the cyber market in North America and Europe, but that came particularly after the introduction of uh, regimes such as GDPR, same in Australia, um, data uh, breach notification requirements came in uh, through statute law regulation, so that created the third party insurance market. In Asia, most of the market is still first party, but I yes. think as, um, as governments introduce more rigid uh, data breach notification regimes and requirements on corporates, uh, boards will be more compelled to, to make sure they've thought about that risk and they'll be more drawn to, to buy third party coverage insurance in the cyber market as well. So I think, I think the growth is inevitable in that line of business. Yeah, I, I love the way you touched on that, uh, the subject of the corporate governance and the boards. It's, it really is, uh, how do you put it, a very technical uh, coverage and, and uh, IT driven, which maybe a lot of the boards aren't. And I think that's where, if you like, the strength of Tokyo Marine and others help as part of the education process. And at the end of the day, you know, protecting clients' assets. Are you finding that you're attaching that to other policy or is it almost like a standalone policy now with the cyber? Uh, we're providing it standalone, um, but what we are doing is when we're working with our brokers on other lines of business, we're obviously trying to see if there's opportunities to cross-sell um, and, and explain you know, where a client might want to include in the policy. We explain why it's not, why it needs to be standalone and then uh, try and do it that way. But, but we think the risk itself is so significant and so unique that it does merit having its individual policy wording and uh, individual product. Understood. So I suppose that leads into the... To the if you, the next conundrum is where do you see the opportunity for growth in the Asia-Pacific market, noting the understanding and the education of what's required in that marketplace. So it's not necessarily about premium generation, it's actually about real protection and coverage for assets. And where do you see Tokyo Marine's role within that? Well, I, th I think our role is working um, with the risk management community and, and the brokers and, and when necessary, you know, through Lloyds with governments just to explain the value of insurance and the role it can play. And I think we've heard at this conference a lot of discussion around the need for more public-private partnerships um, to help in, in reduce underinsurance. insurance. Um, so, so I think our role is to continue um, being out there, educating, explaining our product, explaining the value of what we do. I think um, it's inevitable that there will be more demand for insurance because it's it's part of the natural cycle of the economic growth and yes. a lot of projects can't take place, a lot of investment can't take place without insurance. But I think the, the, re the really important thing is that we're setting ourselves up in the right way and that um, we're educating, I think, uh, individuals and businesses around the value of insurance, how to use it and how to claim effectively as well. Customize your data experience. 
BestLink now offers an interactive company dashboard that provides company-level intelligence in a fast, user-friendly interface featuring interactive tables, charts, and Sparkline performance histories. Customize the dashboard tiles to prioritize the insurer ratings, data, and analytics that best support your workflow. AM Best. Our insight, your advantage. Are you finding because of that that the uh, internal risk management processes and governance within organisations is actually taking great leaps forward, one, I suppose, to maintain their pricing premium, but more importantly, to run an effective business and to protect the assets going forward? I think so, and I think one of the, one of the positive, uh, positive things we're seeing as a result of the hardening reinsurance market is the domestic insurance companies in, in the region are having to retain more risk, and to do so they have to have better risk management processes, better understanding of underwriting themselves, and, and effectively helping raising their standards. So, so I, th I think that's a really important step uh, for the industry, and I think um, you know, one of the challenges we've had in some markets uh, in this region is a lack of sufficient capitalization um, yes. with some seedants. So I think we are likely to see continued consolidation, some regulators trying to push for that. I think with that hopefully we'll have increased risk management standards, increased local underwriting um, capability and less reliance on large proportional treaties yes. and then we've had in the past. Oh, you raise a good point and I suppose the, the entry point of the risk management cycle needs to be better understood It's uh, and it's quite a achievement. I think Tokyo Marine and, and a lot of the other insurers that we're aware of, they're really quite leaders and, and pioneers in terms of actually helping and develop appropriate risk management which ends up being better for all parties concerned. But from your perspective, what do you see as the major hurdles, uh, one in, a little bit in the global sense but more in the Asia Pacific region and, and we'll avoid the geopolitical tensions for the time being because uh, that has a bit of a wider spread which is outside most parties' influence. But if I could just get an understanding of where you see the main hurdles for your uh, Tokyo Marine and, and others like you in terms of your growth patterns, your strategy, and just managing your risk going forward. I think the biggest uh, hurdle is, uh, we touched on already, I think education of markets of the value of our product um, and I think our ability to access markets. I think, um, you know, where we're talking about geopolitical tensions, um, I think protectionism is a risk because yes. what we're providing is a specialist product that typically isn't available in local markets or we're providing coverage that local markets aren't able to offer. So we're seeing barriers going up in terms of regulation in local markets and makes it difficult for us to offer our, our services and I, I think that's negative. Uh, it's a negative outcome for the local markets as well. So I think that's a concern for me. I think the fact that we're maybe moving away from that globalization uh, that we'd experienced in previous decades, which was so beneficial, uh, I see that as a hurdle. I think the increased, um, increased frequency and severity of natural catastrophes uh, is a challenge. And I think it's going to be really important, again, as an industry, we're talking and educating uh, governments around the role we should be playing as the private market in those risks being exported. So I think, again, we have protectionism there is a tendency to say let's retain the premium in our in our uh, economy. Yeah, a little bit inward looking. Yes. Inward looking rather than thinking about how many what am I gonna get back in terms of claims uh, when the natural catastrophe happens. Which which I think markets like New Zealand for example and the advanced market have long understood. You know you have the EQC, I think um, they're major buyers of uh, reinsurance or another way of looking at it, major exporters of their risks. So I think we need to really encourage that um, uh, understanding of the value of reinsurance and the role we can play in supporting economies. Yeah, so you've raised some very good points there in terms of the, uh, it's not necessarily barriers of entry, 
but it's uh, barriers of hurdle, hurdles when you're actually trying to achieve a, a positive outcome. But the, if you like, the inward-looking thinking is actually not. It's created an artificial barrier. Um, do you think we'll return to those uh, ways where people turn and say, actually, it's good to share or export part of your risk? And you uh, you raised New Zealand, which is a, a classic example. If it, if it was totally self-insured, they'd have no insurance industry on past recent years. So I'm just trying to get an understanding uh, of where you think changes can be made in the globalisation with if you like the uh, adjunct that we're referring to is there sustainability within the reinsurance capital markets at the moment yeah i think it's inevitable because i think when catastrophes happen um, uh, that's when the market realizes or the local government realizes we need reinsurance there is a value to this uh, uh, it's just it's just like the pandemic people forget about the impact of a pandemic quite quickly as we're seeing uh, I, I think what, what pandemic was that you're referring to <laughs> exactly so, so, so i think as an industry we need to find ways to be on the front foot and share case studies share examples of what works well work with uh, bodies like the world bank um, you, you know use all the resources available to us to explore the value of our industry to make sure that we're influencing policy making to make sure we, we can provide our services uh, effectively I think that's the, the kind of most critical thing I, th I think we'll definitely um, get there uh, but I think there'll be hurdles along the way for sure yeah, I, I like how you, you probably emphasize three or four times now how important the education process is in, uh, in things going forward is there anything else that you'd like to share that you think is important or, or that people would like to know about uh, not just Tokyo Marine, but you personally, how you feel about the industry, where it currently is placed, and what the, uh, and we've talked a little bit about the hurdles, but what you really perceive, these are the issues that can be resolved. I think um, uh, what, what's preying on my mind is uh, the need to make sure we maintain discipline in the market. I think if you'd come to this conference four or five years ago, I personally found it boring after a while because we kept talking about the end of the cycle, um, which is comical looking back now, but, but people really believe the cycle had come to an end. And I think um, it, it's a great news story that the market has returned to the level of adequacy. In terms of uh, in terms of pricing, we should be charging the right amount of uh, premium for our product, for our for service, risk. for the risk that we're taking. So I think it's really important that we maintain that discipline. Uh, and, and for me, that's the the main concern. We are in a situation now where I think uh, rate increases are are moderating. Um, that's great. So I think we need to make sure we maintain that discipline, maintain um, an understanding of what we're charging for the right level of risk, um, and, and and try and control that cycle. Obviously, there probably will come a a moderation, a further moderation in time, but we need to make sure it's not too sudden, it's well managed, um, and, and, and basically we, we, we maintain that sustainability of, of um, the product we offer. Do, do you find that inflation may have an impact on some of those goals that you'd like to see achieved? I think it will have an impact, and I think it is having an impact already, uh, particularly when it comes uh, on the claims paying side. We certainly see it um, in property, you know, you're, you come from Australia, um, lo lots of uh, catastrophes obviously strike Australia, and now the availability of uh, labour, the availability of um, materials to, to rebuild are obviously much more expensive. So I think we're seeing that already, so I think that is going to have a, a big impact. I thought when you were talking about catastrophes, you were talking about the Australians in the World Cup rugby. I was hoping you'd <laughs> leave that alone. Perhaps. I'm a basketball man. And you're doing very well at basketball these days. So. <laughs> Look, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat. Thank you for that. I hopefully we'll get the opportunity in 12 months' time to uh, have a bit of a follow-up. I, I was thinking when you were talking about um, 
uh, premium price, no, about the cycles. And I, I can remember one learned gentleman said to me, what cycle, what inflation? And I, and I still think of that concept as all in the eye of the beholder. I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with us. And all Thank the you for having here. me. Thanks, Pavlos. Cheers. Looking to get the attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms to do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day, find out more by contacting our Advertising Services Business Development Team at 908-882-1706.